look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Welcome back. You're here on More Than Money and 770 CHQR. Uh, you're here with Dave Nofazel today. We're going to talk about CPP again, but maybe a little different perspective here. So uh, we're looking at some proposed increases to CPP payments, um, and we've talked about that on previous shows, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea from an investment perspective. Um, but what does it mean to the Canadian economy? Could it actually affect the Canadian economy, investment uh, in the Canadian economy and Canadian business? And we're going to explore that a little bit. Uh, Taylor Jackson is joining us today from the Fraser Institute, uh, a recent article on that particular topic. And first of all, Taylor, thanks for taking some time with us today. Yes, thank you for having me on. So we were exploring, or you were in this, uh, in this research, uh, we're exploring the, you know, the effects of an, an addition in terms of money flowing into the CPP from people like you and me and, and employers. And you, uh, you came up with some interesting uh, thoughts and conclusions. Let's talk just from a high level. Give me your, your concerns about what this may do to the Canadian economy. Well, of course, so beginning next year, Canadian workers are going to start paying more uh, into the Canada Pension Plan. And this is going to go on uh, increasing the, the payments that Canadian workers are making for a number of years. And as Canadians are contributing more to the Canada Pension Plan, one of the unintended consequences of this is that there will be a reduction in the money available for investment in Canada. And we estimate that uh, the reduction in this investment by 2030 could be as high as $114 billion. And of course, this reduction in investment in the Canadian economy or the funds available for investment in the Canadian economy will mean that there's less money available to finance entrepreneurship less money to expand existing businesses, and less money for firms to invest in new machines and technologies. Okay. So there's a, I mean, I guess there's a couple of angles um, that we can play there. I know in the article and the research uh, you cited some, some interesting statistics in terms of if the money were to land in the hands of Canadians, where would they invest it, versus if it's in the hands of the, uh, the investment board for the CPP, where do they invest it? So maybe just give, us, uh, give listeners a little clarification about how the CPP is invested versus what traditional Canadian portfolios look like, and then we'll take the conversation from there. Certainly. So, so we'll take a step back even a bit further uh, to get a sense of, of why this money is going to be coming out of the Canadian economy and going elsewhere. And there's really two reasons for this that work together. The first reason is that, as we've seen in the past when the CPP has been expanded, as Canadian workers are forced to contribute more to the CPP, they're going to respond by reducing their investments in their private savings vehicles like TFSAs, RRSPs, or mutual funds. And what we saw in the past when there was the last major CPP uh, expansion in the late 90s, early 2000s, was that for each dollar that workers had to contribute to the CPP, they reduced their private savings by about 90 cents. So that's the first thing that we're going to see. And then the second thing that works with that is the location of investments uh, between households and where the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, uh, the fund that manages the, the CPP's investments, where they sort of invest their assets. So if you look at Canadian households, it's about 80% of their assets are invested domestically within Canada. Now you switch over to the CPPIB and it's about 80% of the CPP's assets are invested 
outside of Canada in foreign markets. So what we're going to get is we're going to get a situation where Canadians reduce their private savings that would have been invested within Canada, and instead this money goes to the CPPIB that's going to be invested elsewhere. And that's why we're going to see this reduction in funds available in Canada. So let me play devil's advocate on that point for just a minute, because you could argue uh, on the other side of that that the CPPIB's role is not necessarily venture capital um, and you know funding Canadian corporations if those aren't the best investments to be made on behalf of uh, you know Canadians' pension. Um, so what? How do you how how do we balance? I guess this need for uh, continued like reinvestment in our own country, but this this. Uh, you know the, the the other side of the equation is that we we've, we've got to get the best returns that we can. We have a mandate to maximize uh, that return for the you know the the pensioner. So I think I certainly agree with with what you said there. And we're certainly not saying that the CPPIB or the government should come in and say that there should be a domestic investment requirement for the CPPIB. Indeed, they should uh, pursue the investment strategy that maximizes their risk-adjusted returns. And if those are outside of Canada, that's what they should be doing. But what Canadian governments need to recognize is that one of the unintended consequences of this uh, CPP expansion will be lower investment in Canada. And this is also coming at a time when we're seeing business investment is falling, foreign direct investment in Canada is falling. We're hearing a lot from particularly energy firms that Canada is not the place to invest anymore. So governments need to look at this situation and encourage policies that can help spur investment uh, given that the CPP expansion is going to uh, sort of compound this reduction in investments. And there's a lot of things that governments can do. You know, they can look at reducing uh, marginal tax rates on new investment would be a, a great step for governments to take. Um, they could also look at reducing capital gains taxes. There's a wealth of research out there that shows that capital gains taxes uh, reduce investment and particularly will reduce the financing available for entrepreneurship. Yep. So reform in that area could help. Uh, spur investment and kind of counteract this uh, this negative effect that we're going to see from the CPP expansion. You know, I, I think you're right, and I th- thank you for touching on an important point. I, I think when you ask yourself the question, well, why is it that the CPPIB has to go outside of Canada for investment? And then if we look at the, you know, if you look at the validity of the investments, um, maybe there's some structural problems within Canada that has foreign you know, capital fleeing our country, not from an investment perspective. So I, I think that, that you're correct. I think we need to look structurally at, at our, our tax situation. Um, how do we make ourselves, not just tax, but how do we make ourselves competitive to attract foreign capital when competing against you know, uh, the U.S., when competing against the EU? Because money can go to any of these places. Um, and the CPPIB, from an, as you said, a risk-adjusted rate of return basis, sees much greater opportunity outside of Canada than they do inside of Canada as a result of that. So I think you've you've raised a couple of really interesting points here. Now, how do we find a balance between the two? Well, certainly, uh, as we argue in the report, the tax system is one thing that has to be looked at, particularly given recent tax changes in the United States that have really made the U.S. more attractive to investment than Canada. So that's one thing that we need to be looking at. But we've got to be looking at also the broader message that governments are sending uh, to investors about whether Canada is open for business or not. I mean, I think the the Trans Mountain Pipeline debate is a great example. It's not sending a great signal that Canada can't really do much on these major infrastructure projects. So you take signals like that, you take some of the uncertainty in regulatory environments across Canada, as well as 
uh, tax competitiveness issues. And this is where, you know, you start to piece together some of the reasons that uh, perhaps Canada isn't looking that attractive to investment. Yeah, I think uh, we maybe leave it there. That's a terrific point. Uh, we'll continue to talk about the CPP uh, and the various uh, you know things that it affects. There are always unintended consequences. Uh, I thank you guys for writing articles and keeping us all abreast on this, and we'll, we'll continue to have conversation about it. I appreciate you joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me. I've been joined by Taylor Jackson of the Fraser Institute talking a little bit about the unintended consequences of this increase in CPP payments and not typical to the kind of conversation that we have um, about uh, about that CPP benefit to uh, to Canadian pensioners. Anyways, we are going to talk about pensionizing your assets. So for those of you that are transitioning to or already living in retirement, uh, CPP is uh, likely part of the equation. But if your lifestyle needs exceed what the CPP and OAS provide to you, and you don't have a defined benefit pension plan, a private from uh, from a company, then what that means is you have to rely on your savings to fund the gap, the lifestyle gap there. And we're going to talk about that, how to do it, how best to position from a tax perspective, and how best to protect yourself for a very long, healthy retirement. And you want to join us for that on May 29th at 7 o'clock. It's a one-hour presentation. We'll be at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits, and we'd love to have you join us. Now, to do that, you need to register. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. You can register also online by going more than, uh, more than com. We'd love to see you there. But stick around after the break because we're going to be hearing about whether having an accountant prepare your taxes protects you if a mistake is made on your return. You might be interested in the, uh, in the results. Here on uh, 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.